everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone, to the show. World Series of Poker rolls on, and uh, suddenly uh, a lot of big-name players are starting to win some bracelets. Uh, It's been pretty exciting. Some South Florida players uh, have done very well also, including uh, a good friend of uh, our guest last week, Michael Tate, who uh, filled us in on their social media group called the Slum Donkeys, uh, slumdonkey.com, which is made up of a lot of a lot of Florida guys. Uh, actually, it's not just limited to Florida, but guys that uh, are part of this group and share uh, uh, hand histories and talk strategy on social media and several hundred. Uh, Tony Burns is in the group from uh, the Seminole Hard Rock. Ralph Brandt, the tournament director from the Isle, is also in the group, and a lot of local players that people have heard of. Uh, the interesting angle is that we talked about last week, three of the Slum Donkeys have won bracelets during this World Series of Poker, including Femi Fashaken who won the Big 50 and defeated uh, 28,000 other players. Uh, you can walk around in life and claim that. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, right now he could claim being the uh, the winner of the largest poker tournament ever held in, in the, the United history. States. Uh, not only in the United States, I would imagine in the whole world. Well, I wonder, because uh, I remember they had big hopes for that uh, tournament they were going to have at Wembley with all the people playing never, their computers. It never, it never came, came off. off yeah. So, so. Yeah, I'm willing to wager that that's the number one right now as far as the most entries in a poker tournament world uh, worldwide and and for you know in history, so to so to speak. Anyway, we talked a lot about that last week with Michael, who uh, stepped in for Joe. Joe was uh, out of town, and uh, we had some fun doing the show last week and talking uh, some local poker here. And of course, Michael is getting ready to head out to uh, Vegas very soon for the main event. And it kind of filled us in on all the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on out there with the cash games and what that's like. We had a great show. We had a lot of fun talking. Uh, The interesting slant to add to that now is uh, the big tournament going on right now is the Monster Stack, which had nearly 6,000 players and is down to 195. And one of the guys with a pretty good chip count, over a million chips, is Michael Ortiz, who's also a slum donkey. So that could be the fourth one to win. So... Uh, we talked a little bit about Howard Mash, who won the seniors event for 662000 Uh Howard is uh, a regular at the Coconut, Seminole Coconut Creek. Uh, and when I got back, I wanted to see if I could talk to Howard. So uh, Michael said he would try to get a hold of him if he could. I also ran into uh, another local poker guy at Dania that uh, actually hooked me up with Howard. Uh, called him and then had him call me on my phone. So what I, I looked around, and the Seminoles were having their Turnpike Series, where they qualified for four opening sessions at Coconut Creek and at Hollywood, and then joined together. So they had a nice turnout there, about 1,600 for that tournament. And I look at the uh, standings, and who's leading? Howard Mash is leading. <laughs> Came back to town, jumped right into this event. It's only $250 buy-in. And uh, Howard was the chip leader. Now, the next day was a big session, uh, on the, I think it was on Saturday, and one of the guys that led that session passed him. So he was actually in second place in chips. But we met uh, yesterday over at the Seminole Rock before the tournament started, and uh, Howard sat down. Now, I did a, a pretty lengthy interview, and I think we're going to save it until next week. 
and we'll hear that. But uh, another South Florida guy made good, and uh, maybe Joe Rodriguez would be top the seniors list one of these yeah, days. Yeah, i, I got to stop working to be able to do something like that, <laughs> you know. Unfortunately, that, that it's either been it's either been for the wife and I or for the kids. And uh, right now, yeah, that's definitely a dream, though. Anyway, not a lot of uh, streaming on this uh, local tournament here. There was no uh, reporting or anything. They just gave the results today, and I, I looked it up this morning. And uh, Robert Polmeyer was the actual named the winner and the won the trophy, but it was a nine-way chop. And one of the nine was Howard Mash. Oh, wow. So, uh, 10th place won $4,200. And places 2 through 9 won 20000 So, it was a big equal chop for places 2 through 8. And then the champion got a little extra. He got twenty five k even. Wow, that's a nice... For $250? Just quickly give you the names of our local people here that follow the show. Uh, Hector Pacheco, who I've met before... Uh, Robert Williamson, Lawrence Clure, Sagi Zomer, Howard Mash, Robert Capote, David Ring, and Pasquale Cayaza. I don't know if you know any of those guys, but they all won 20000 apiece at the Seminole Hard Rock as the Seminole Turnpike Series finished up a nice little series. They have about every three, four months where they uh, open up and this included uh, Coconut Creek, which is uh, great for those people you know, that uh, play there on a regular basis. Basis. Yeah, you're looking at what about an extra 15, 20 miles further north? Yeah, not far. Uh, but they had uh, the first day they had two two sessions, second day two sessions, and then one session apiece at 11 a.m. on uh, Friday and Saturday. And then everybody that advanced got to come to the Seminole Hard Rock starting at noon yesterday, and they finished up last night. So um, 250,000. You know, going going back many years, remember when uh, the the dog tracks kind of all got together. <coughs> With well, all the, the different the Florida properties. Millions. Right. Florida Millions, yeah. That was a great idea. That was in the beginning of the show. The, mm-hmm. the first year we did the show, they started that. And it was really good, and they tried it the second year, and unfortunately it, it didn't I think it went about well. three years. I the think third it year was, didn't, was, uh, it didn't get the response that they wanted didn't to. Didn't Maurice Hawkins win the second one, I think? I don't I think remember, to be, uh, to be honest with you, but I thought it was a great concept. If you if you got to, to the end, you made the money in each dog track, and... Um, I don't remember, was it held down here the first year? They, they were going to have a rotating where yeah. the finals were. One year it was at Derby Lane. One year I think it was at uh, West Palm Beach, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, and then uh, there was a third year. and Maybe they, a flag. They didn't really go really, no, definitely not flag. But they weren't, I don't think yeah, they, they were don't part of it. There. I think it was Mardi Gras was part of the, of the program with that. But, you know, going back to that and mentioning the Turnpike Series, I mean, the Seminoles of I'm Tony Burns, I'm trying to talk with the other uh, poker tournament directors uh, that at the other properties that they have. And, you know, I mean, that'd be pretty cool. You know, you have Tampa, the Hollywood, the Coconut Creek. Um, I don't know where else their other poker rooms are. Um, Immokalee. What, the, what, what, what did you hear the logistics of that were like, putting that all together? Was what, it, did it work what, well? What, did it work well? Yeah, it's like anything else when you're... Was Miami Highline involved? No, because remember, you're talking about the millions was just the dog tracks. Right, okay. Okay, so, uh, you know, I would imagine, you know, because remember, it, it went really well that first year. Yeah. They went well over a million dollars, uh, which was the guarantee. You know, the the format, I you know, we spoke about it at length for a while on the show. It was building up to that. 
I thought it was great because it allowed people in the state of Florida, and even if you were coming in, to go to different, you know, different uh, paramutual, dog track paramutual tracks and try to earn your way in there. The the unique concept of that was all you had to do was get to that, whatever there was, 10 or 15%, you were guaranteed to double your money, you know, remember? And like I said, the response was phenomenal. I I would imagine this thing died out because... The big advantage went to whoever ran that finals. Right. Because they got the advantage of all the other people coming into their room, and I'm sure their cash numbers for whatever amount of time that that was run, um, you know, had the big advantage. And my guess would be just knowing how everything is in the state of Florida and how everybody's just so greedy is that some of the other places probably started stating, hey, how about we get the final table and, you know, all of a sudden, if everybody isn't 100% behind it, Dave, it'll die out. And, the re- and that's the reason why I'm saying with the Seminoles, the Seminoles properties are Seminole properties. We, we both know they run on, on their own, that they stand on their own merit. But, you know, the money all goes into the same pot at, at the end of the day, one way or right, the other. Right. You understand? Yeah, that money absolutely. goes to one pot at the end of the day. Um, and why you wouldn't want to, you know, do something like that to um you know generate that interest in um in your poker rooms all throughout the state and and maybe generate something very special that you could turn into a, a special event they already do all their all the things that they you know the sharpo you know all those other things that are not associated with the WPT or or with the WSOP and I think that they could actually have a great success. You talked about, what was it, 1,600 entries for this tournament? 250? Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine that? You know, and then hold the final one year at, at Hollywood, next year at Tampa, the two, you know, destination casinos that they have. Well, I'm sure I, they'll come I, up with something. You know, I, I can't see a downside to that right there. Uh, in, as far as stuff that's going on right now out there, there's, uh, I think Poker Go is uh, carrying some of the action of the Pot Limit Omaha eight-handed event. Uh, just went on the air on Poker Go, and the leader is from Miami. Uh, Angelko Andrievich is a local player down here from Miami. Uh, he is battling Sean Deeb and Daniel Alai for the chip lead. Uh, Luke Schwartz, who just won a bracelet, is in fourth place right now. These are all well-known names. Uh, Kevin Eister, Jeremy Osma, still right up there near the top. And how many people in this tournament? And that right one now? is uh, 518. They're down to the final 30. From 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 um, how many people that entered in that tournament? Oh, 518. 518 was the entries. This is a, t- a 10,000 tournament, uh, PLO. Okay. Well, but 518 is pretty good for PLO, I would say. Yeah. And and Sean Deeb, as you mentioned uh, earlier before we started the show, came in second, lost a heads-up battle. Right. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, some of the bigger names are starting to make their mark and make their runs at some of these bracelets that are still left out there. Another South Florida player, Ian O'Hara, went making a pretty deep run there as well. So he's still alive, but we're keeping an eye on that. Uh, the women's tournament ended yesterday. I watched a good bit of the final table for that. Uh, I didn't know most of the women. There was one that I did know, and she ended up in sixth place. That was Alexi Gavin, who's from New York, but plays in a lot of the events down here at the Hard Rock. Uh, she plays in all the uh, charity series of poker, uh, Matt Stout's group, and plays in a lot of those. Uh, I remember the one that Brad Garrett hosted. He he and her got along great, and uh, they were really funny at the table. So uh, that was where I had first met her. But she was at the final table. She was, came in as, as the short stack, 
and after quite a lot of bit of play, uh, <coughs> she ended up uh, going out in sixth. Uh, uh, let me get the winner on that one, but I didn't. That was, of course, the tournament that uh, Jessica Dolly won previously. But uh, they battled that one out for for several hours on online yesterday, and I watched uh, pretty much all of that. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, G Young Kim, I believe, was was the winner, um, and uh, she took home 167,000 for the Good win. Good for her. So did that any was men fun. enter the? Uh, that this I year? don't know. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't able to listen to a lot of the action. Who so. paid the ten thousand uh, dollar, nine thousand dollars extra than the women did? Right. Exactly. <laughs> We've had it the last few years. Yeah, and there's One been a couple people, here or there. So. Uh, but we talked. I talked about it briefly with Michael last week. There's really kind of a big week out there for women last week. It was all the tournaments at different places. Uh, they called it Ladies Poker Week. And uh, Orleans had a couple of tournaments. There was a couple at the Venetian. Uh, the Aria had a ladies event for $350 buy-in during the week, Golden Nugget. And uh, it was a pretty good turnout there. Anyway, in conjunction with that, there is a woman that... Uh, that wrote a book called, uh, well, the movie is called Poker Queens. The book was called Black Widow Poker that came out, uh, and she wrote it under the name Sia Leita. But uh, her real name uh, is Sandra Moore. Sandra Moore is her real name. Anyway, she's well known among the women's group, and they are putting together this movie that they're going to, they're going to shoot out there this week called Poker Queens, Glamour, Glitz, Guts, Glory, They're All In. And uh, they had a special room set up at the Rio uh, for the ladies to hang out and to interview people, places to interview them. And a lot of women were involved, uh, you know, obviously the big names like uh, Kristen Bicknell and Maria Ho, Jen Harmon, Lonnie Harwood, some like that. But also, you know, some of the up-and-coming young players and, of course, some of the veterans, like Linda Johnson and Jan Fisher, will be involved in it. Kelly Minkin is uh, doing some stuff with it as well. So we can look for that later in the year. I think November is when they plan to bring that out. And uh, they actually have a room set aside called the Poker Palace with the refreshments and, and a big area there. So the woman said, uh, Sandra said, I, I want it to be the Rocky of women's poker. And uh, a nice little uh, documentary that they're putting together. So we'll see what happens. And they're going to be shooting out there on uh, throughout the tournament, wrapping up on July 16th. So uh, join to see things like that happening that will uh, bring some, uh, you know, some notoriety to the women's game. Yeah, and like we've mentioned for many years here, Dave. I mean, that's probably the last frontier of growing this this game of ours. You know that. If we can get more women involved in, 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 in these things, I mean, you know, we're not to say we're disappointed, but we're always ho hoping that more women enter these tournaments. I know uh, the number for the uh, the 50-year one that, uh, you know, the 28,000, the percentage the big was 50. the big 50, the percentage was, um, I think, 7%. Seven. 7%, and the main event has been more of uh, Around a 4, four, three or three or so, four right? you know, hopefully... Hopefully that's a good little trend. That we, let me tell you, if you can get that trend somewhere between 10 and 15 percent, you know the poker world's just going to be 
going crazy. Anyway, the women's winner was uh, actually from South Korea. She owns a coffee shop in uh, Gimhai, South Korea, and she's a recreational player. And uh, she won that. Uh, Ji Young Kim was her name, and finishing second was Nancy Matson. Uh, first place was 167,000 for the women, and Nancy Matson won 103,000 for second. Sandrine Fan was third. Tu Dao was in fifth. In fourth, I should say. Anyway, that uh, that wraps up the women's event. Uh, they but they had a lot of other things involved out there this year. So that uh, you know that's been a big effort uh, on a lot of par- on the part of a lot of people. I remember I had uh, Angelica Hale from the World Poker Tour, and she was very excited to be a part of that out there this year too as well. So I actually saw that she played in the ladies' event herself. So. Uh, good stuff, and uh, we'll keep an eye on what happens, and we'll uh, we'll hope that a lot more women get involved in the main event uh, coming really, up. Really, that would July be 3rd. absolutely wonderful. And what was that over and over over and under number that they're saying for the main event? Remember, you were kind of mentioning it at the beginning of the of the tournament. Well, they said if they had a thousand more than last year, it would be the biggest tournament of all time. They weren't really sure exactly how many they thought were going to be there, but there were seventy eight hundred last year, and. Uh, the record is like 86, 87. I think it's 84. 84. So they like actually that. don't even need to go 1,000 to right. go over it. 84, 82, something like that. Anyway, let's take our first break on the show. We'll look at some of the big names that uh, won some tournaments. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is the uh, Poker Hall of Fame nominees have come out as well. So we'll talk about that for a few minutes. And, of course, they have the uh, the Big 50 dinner and tournament coming up uh, later this week, and we'll talk about that as well when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, we'll have some fun. We hope you'll stick around. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckle up. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. 
Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe, another edition of the show. Uh, one, I don't think I mentioned this with you, but one of the bracelet winners, which was uh, pretty notable, was in the $10,000 uh, Deuce 7 single draw. was won by a fellow named Jim Bechtel. And what's notable, about, yeah, and what's notable about that is that he won the main event in 1993. Wow. Okay. Which was the longest. Uh, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that's where I could remember <laughs> him from, but. Yeah, I mean, 1993, you remember, field, 2003 was... The field uh, had to be a uh, moneymaker, yeah. but the field had to be under 200 I would then. say something like that, but uh, he has now the longest uh, span in between bracelets. Uh, <laughs> you, it, you, the fellow who held that was Chip Reese, I think was 24 years apart, and now this is, uh, what, 26 years apart. So, uh, But he won the tournament, uh, 91 entries... Um, in the uh, Deuce 7 single draw. So, you know, not a huge buy tournament. 10, the buy in was 10,000, and he won 253 grand. So, uh, Chip Reese won uh, his second bracelet, and then 24 years later, he won his third bracelet. So, uh, of course, he has passed away now. But uh, but he he was in a battle with uh, Darren Elias, Prahlad Friedman, and Jean Robert Balland. I think we're, earlier in the tournament, we were talking about that final table. And in the end, he beat 77-year-old Vince Musso. So he's wow. Bechtel 67. And uh, the two old guys finally uh, battled it out for the uh, bracelet. Oh, good for them. Yeah, it's nice to hear. Um, I gave you the stuff on the women's tournament. Joseph Chong won his first bracelet. Uh, so I was right. Yeah, you yeah, were right. Yeah, Ten, uh, you. It was the $1,000 no-limit double stack. And he ends up winning 687000 in that one, uh, beating uh, David Ivers, head, uh, heads up. Um, let's see, anybody else uh, in that final table that you might be familiar with? Oh, one of the South Florida players, Ido Ashkenazi, is a local player here from South Florida. He finished sixth. And uh, so Chong, you know, I mean, obviously he's been winning some things here and there. He won a, one of the Seminole Hard Rock tournaments uh earlier this year, but, you know, I mean, he was kind of destined to be known for the bluff that didn't work against uh, Joseph Tuhamel. You remember how impressed I was with him, you know, because as we were getting to the final tables, uh, I remember he, he lost a hand when he, you know, and he, and he lost probably 40, 50% of his stack right, right. with pocket aces to, I think it was pocket sevens or sixes, and the guy ran, ran out for the guy to hit a straight on him, and, you know, he took that like if nothing had happened to him, you know, and right. I was always impressed with his demeanor, you know, and his attitude. He didn't go on tilt, and that was when there was probably about 21, 22 players left, so it had to put a little bit of pressure on you thinking, wow, I had this guy out. I could have been the chip leader at that point or very close to it. You know, first place was seven, $8 million, and uh, all of a sudden you got to come back and struggle, and, you know, he just like a champion came back. That, Like you said, that one hand that he went nuts with, he had no reason to. And the guy from Tampa. Yeah, he had, had A7. I think he went up against Queens, Queens for uh, right. And, and Raisner was sitting there. Raisner uh, was. Chops, so. Well, you know, he gave away a million and change because they easily could have sat out and waited for Raisner to, 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 because he was such so short stacked that he would have needed to double up two or three times against either one of them just to get back in the match. And, 
you know, so Reisner was the big beneficiary of that because all of a sudden he went from I think it was something around four million or something that Joseph Chong got right. to a guarantee of like five point whatever it was at that point. Remember the grinder was at that final table. I think he ended up finishing fifth. But I was watching some of the action from that that year. It was 2010. That was the first year we did the show. And also, that was a November Niner event, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, exactly. It was a November Niner. Yeah, Joe, John Dolan and Raisner and, and, and Grinder were and the we three kept, Floridians right, out, of the, and, out of the nine. And we were talking about how they were strategizing for that and you know setting up. Right. I don't know with, if it was with Dolan Randy Casper uh, told us about some exactly. Of that stuff. You know, and 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 at first, like I said, I didn't like the November Niner thing because I thought you know if if you were if you were streaking and in the zone, you didn't want to wait three or four months. Obviously, I changed my opinion later on because from a management standpoint, the marketing uh, part of that, I thought they didn't take as much advantage as they should have. I mean, I know as a tournament director, I would have tried to push to try to, you know, uh, make this a, a must-see TV event. Right. And that, that, to me, only could have occurred you know, to to cross over into the mainstream, not just the poker viewers, was to, you know, build up these characters like a big sporting event, like a big fighting right, match, exactly. you know. Yeah. And, you know, we talked on the show about how, and I'm, I'm pretty certain it was Raisner talking about how they set up and they studied each people. And to me, this was just marketing gold for me, you know, hey, let's see how maybe we give training. They got teachers, they got you and, know, of course, they were all wearing like, patches and sponsorships you know, back so, then, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I again, don't know why the WSOP changed it back to what it is. Uh, it's wonderful. It's, it's always going to be wonderful. But I I honestly believe they, they, they missed taking full advantage of that time frame leading up to it. I mean, I... Well, you got to remember, too, that the next year was Black Friday. So a lot of that sponsorship money died up, dried up, and... Uh, you know, there wasn't as much going on after that. So that was 2011 that, that Black Friday came around. And this was but everybody was wearing uh, full tilt and uh, poker stars back then. But they kept it going for another five or six they did. years. They did. You just have to go in a different venue. I mean, I know it's a little harder because the, 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 the money did dry up from, right. from the online sites. But, um, you know, again, I, I just... A bit of a missed opportunity. My mind, my mind is always racing with the opportunities of how I can make my poker room better. And you're trying to think, well, how are you going to make it much better than running? At that time, probably, what, 40-something tournaments yeah. in, in the six weeks. Now we're up to 80-something tournaments <laughs> in six weeks. But I I think I could have just I, – I, I would have loved to have given myself a shot at trying to market this and see if, if, if it turned into uh, revenue-producing uh, ideas as far as the marketing. And to me, the big thing would have been – Maybe get TV involved in this if you can, you know, make these people household names and somebody that the the the, the human interest stories in it. I I mean my mind raced when when I finally saw how this was going. You tied it in into the you mentioned that before our last break the Hall of Fame nominees. All of this kind of you remember would always come to that one week. They'd have the the banquets there. I, I again I just think they could have done this so much better to make this such a strong marketing tool for their casino. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the big names that have won uh, bracelets uh, over the past uh, week or so are, are three guys that, you know, how in golf they always talk about, oh, yeah, he's a great player, but he's never won a major. And 
who was who's the best player never to have won a major tournament. Uh, we had three of their best players never to have won a WSOP bracelet, and they won them all in the last uh, week or week and a half or so. Uh, Stephen Chidwick, who uh, is on the cover of uh, Card Player here, what what date is that on the cover there uh, on the top right? This one is from June nineteenth. Okay, so that's uh, less than a week ago. Yeah, so one of the most recent issues of. Uh, of a card player, Stephen Chidwick uh, won the 25K PLO High Roller, so he uh, made a nice uh, check there. Uh, Luke Schwartz also won a tournament. Uh, I'm not that familiar with Luke, but he's nicknamed Full Flush, and he won the Triple Draw, the Deuce to Seven Triple Draw, first uh, bracelet of his career. 100 players in that one, but uh, a lot of big names, including. Uh, uh, Calvin Anderson, who made the f- final table in that one. And then, of course, the other one was Ari Engel, who plays in a lot of tournaments down here in South Florida. I think he's actually from Canada, but uh, he does play here a good bit in this area and has done very well at the Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, he won the uh, $2,500 No Limit Hold'em tournament. So uh, another nice field in that one that... Uh, Included uh, James Carroll, who uh, just won the, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, and Josh Arley. And I know for these those. guys who are great players, getting that first bracelet takes it off. But you know, and we, and we do compare that to the golf thing. But you know, there's only four majors in golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> while exactly. there's eighty, while there's now eight, what eighty, 80 bracelets, eighty yeah. plus bracelets for this year, so uh, a little bit easier, even though the fields are a lot larger. Anyway, Angle won four hundred twenty-seven thousand. Uh, ben Keyline was fourth. Ben won the uh, the Colossus a couple of years ago, and Bakes, uh, David Bakes Baker, both David Bakers have done well this series, but uh, Bakes finished in fifth in that one. So. Uh, those are some of the names of guys who have uh, done well this year. The one I got a chance to watch a good bit of was a great final table, and that was the $10,000 seven-card stud championship. And uh, they had a, the final seven back to the table there. Listen to this field. This is the guys uh, that didn't finish in the head-to-head play. was Frank Casella, former player of the year for WSOP, uh, Chris Treba, great uh, stud player, David Singer, and Mikhail Semin, and then uh, the head-to-head play went down between John Hennigan, who uh, also is a player of the year before, yep. going against Daniel Negreanu. And then wow. finishing third was David O.D.B. Baker. So uh, I watched a good bit of that tournament. When I turned it on, there was about five players left, and Negreanu had three million chips, and everyone else was under 500,000. But all of a sudden, Hennigan started building his chip stack. Guys were getting eliminated. And Hennigan ended up, uh, they battled for a couple of hours, I think, uh, in the uh, head-to-head play. And uh, Hennigan uh, finally uh, wore him down. Yeah, well, I know I've been on both ends of, of, of those situations at the end of tournaments. So Head-to-head play was like two hours and 15 minutes or something. Which yeah. is a long time. Now, wh- how did they? Do you know what the chip stacks were when they entered head-to-head play? Because sometimes uh, that has I a lot to do with it. I think it was about a two-to-one lead for Nagarana. Okay. Yeah, and the blinds were on the low. Depends on how the blinds were and the amount of chips. Because sometimes the blinds start eating you up. Then, then the action has to get. You know, you you have to take a lot more chances. Obviously, so. Right. Um, but you know, two great players. Yeah, two great players. It's just it's like a it's like a, a you know a title t- a title match in, in boxing. You know, 
just keep pounding the hell out of each other until one of them just falls, you know. And I, like I said, I've seen it. I've been involved on both ends where I've had the big chip lead and lost and where I was very short stack heads up and won the tournament. And I've been in tournaments, one, one that I did win, again, well over two hours heads up to win a much smaller tournament. But I just didn't want to lose it and, you right. know, persevered, so to speak, you yeah. know. And it was a battle. It just every time it looked like I was ready to take him out, they'd come. He'd come back, and vice versa. And, and I don't know if that's how the play was here for Daniel and and, and It John. did go. It did. It went back and forth a couple of times, and uh, Chip Lee changed a couple of times. Yeah, for you to play two hours like that, you know, it, the the chip leader gets aggressive. You've got to decide whether this is the hand I'm going to, you know, take a stand in, and then you hit it, and again. I'm sure it took a toll on them physically too, and mentally more more so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that was a great to watch, and I had fun uh, watching that for several hours. I watched, uh, and they were showing you the whole cards, and I yeah, mean, that they were playing yeah, good stuff. Uh, by the way, uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, what happened with the TV coverage. Uh, Poker Go was going to have like most of the events and have final tables, and then CBS came in, CBS All Access. Which is a separate uh, uh, cost. I think uh, Poker Go is like ten ten dollars a month, or you can get if you buy it for a year, you get a discount to like seventy nine dollars. Um, CBS All Access is five ninety nine a month, and so a lot of people were really upset when you looked at the schedule. Out of the forty one tournaments, I think uh, CBS had twenty five of them. So it seems like every time I go to watch a final table. Uh, and click into it, it says, this is blacked out in your area for Poker Go. So you got to buy both to watch all those tournaments. Of course, uh, Poker Go will pretty much dominates the uh, main event, so they'll have all those days there. But uh, a lot of people are pretty angry about that, really. Yeah, well, especially if you made that investment and you were looking forward to seeing all those tournaments, and now you realize that you got to... Make a double investment, though, so to speak, like you said, buy them both if you want to see all those all those tournaments. Yeah, I mean, you know, you figure sixteen bucks a month is probably not exorbitant to to do that, but uh, but CBS is getting a lot of those, uh, so we'll see what happens in that. But there was some anger about that, uh, but still a lot of events still to come, and uh, I guess what number? What, how far are they along right now? I haven't checked recently. Uh, 53, 54. So I they think still got close to 30 events left, huh? Yeah, yeah. well. And the main event begins? Main event begins uh, July 3rd, July 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and uh, concludes, I think, on around the 16th. Right, to get to the final table. Right. And then what, they take a day off, or a day or two off, and then come right back? Uh, four. The main event. Oh, you're talking about the final. I mean, they think it'll be done by the 16th. Yeah. So they think they'll get to the final yeah, table. Yeah. Third, fourth, and fifth is day one, and then they come back for two day twos. I think the sixth and seventh. Oh, and that's then, how they're going to do it. Yeah. Then they might take one day off in between, and then they play it on down to the very end. But then when they get to the final table, once they I think they play. Nine, th- it takes three days for the final nine. Right, because table. of the way they're going to structure it, everything yeah, players go, are out, go nine they stop. To six to but three. is there a rest period between the final table and then getting back to the final table? No. And it's going to start the very next. Um, it's going to start the very next day because uh, I thought they took a day off before they did that to come back and get production set up because that thing ends very late when you get that tenth player is knocked out. You know, um, 
what are you going to do? I, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to have these guys coming back a little less. I, I, I thought they had a day off last year, but I'm, I'm probably maybe mistaken. Maybe so. Maybe so. But anyway, we'll, uh, that's still to come, and uh, we will follow some of that uh, probably on the next show because uh, our next show will be right when the main event's starting. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in watching a lot of it on a nightly basis. I think uh, this having been unable to see some of these other events that I wanted to see has kind of given me more of an interest. So maybe that's to a good thing in To see that final table? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay, let's take another break on the show. When we come back, we'll uh, take a look at a couple of the uh, honors programs, uh, the 50, first 50 dinner and tournament, and the nominations for the Poker Hall of Fame. We'll talk yeah, about some of that stuff. i curious to see that. So. We'll be back with more of the show. We'll finish things up when we return here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. If you're a single man under the age of 35, you'd probably like to know what the ladies are looking for on an online dating site. A guy who had a few drinks and later got pulled over for buzz driving. See, that could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. And doesn't a guy who's back living with his parents but calls them my roommates just scream Mr. Right? Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Admin. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, another edition of uh, Poker Action Line as we continue to kind of let you know what's going on out in Vegas. I know that uh, sometimes just listing some of these names can be a little tedious, and uh, certainly you can always go and look them up online, but I'd like to have some kind of uh, verbal record of uh, the series as it moves along, and I hope uh, you've had a lot of people that... uh, 
kind of added to the audience uh, last year with the World Series of Poker, and now it seems to be picking up again. So hopefully uh, you're enjoying what we do. Uh, of course, you can always send me a note at BigDave at PokerActionLine.com if you have any suggestions or just want to curse me out, uh, <laughs> I guess is okay as, as well. Anyway, uh, one thing I did want to mention was I saw that uh, yesterday, June tw- July 20, was it June? June 23rd. Uh, was the opening, the grand opening of Encore Boston Harbor, which is the Wynn property in Everett, Massachusetts, on the north side of Boston. Uh, huge place. And uh, it's taken a long time to get that together. Of course, uh, Steve Wynn was the mastermind behind all that and kind of dropped out of uh, the Wynn properties because of his uh, sexual pro- proclivities, uh, certainly... Uh, got him into into trouble and got him out of the company. But they continued on, and they (laughs) opened yesterday. And it's just a huge place. It's on uh, the Mystic River up there in in the north side of Boston. And uh, it's really kind of turning the whole neighborhood around. They're putting in a bunch of shops and everything on both sides of the river. And uh, I called up there today to find out if the poker room was open. And they said, yeah, they opened on time uh, with a poker room. They have 80 tables there. Ooh, that means they're, they're expecting <laughs> to give Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun a lot, yeah, well, lot of competition. Yeah, you know. absolutely. And they I remember I lived money. up there uh, about 20, 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. And my landlord used to uh, jump in the car and drive down to Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun to, to uh, play slots and everything. So a lot of people from the Boston area would travel to different places. Now, of course... Springfield has uh, an MGM, and there's been a couple of their places opened in Massachusetts. So it's not uh, the, quite the same situation. But this is an absolutely huge place, and uh, you know it looks very much is like the big, Encore it, out in Vegas. Is it bigger than Foxwoods? Because I believe Foxwoods oh, yeah. still holds the record, was holding the record for, for the number large, of tables. No, for the largest casino. Uh, square uh, footage-wise. I looked it up earlier. Uh, maybe I can find that. But uh, I remember MGM had it for, for a while until Foxwoods opened up. and I don't know the exact square footage, but I was looking at a couple of the articles today, and they had people lined up out the door for the, grand op- for the doors to open for the first time, like 17 hours in advance. And uh, it, it was pretty incredible that, uh, you know, the how much the people are excited about it. But uh, a lot of people were against it for a long time, feeling that, you know, another big casino in the area is going to drain the funds of people that can least afford it, I guess. Well, listen, that's been an argument for the longest time, and as sad as that is, Dave, you know, people, people who are going to gamble and be in that situation will find a way for them to, um, you know, go to wherever the action is. And this is true of every casino, you know, in this country, I would imagine. You know, you've got, I don't know what the percentage is, but you've got people in there who really shouldn't be in there. And opening one up over here isn't going to change the fact that those people are going to go, whether they're going to come into your establishment, your casino, or another one. You know, we have to address a completely different issue there, you know. Um, and... You know, they always talk about, you know, take the temptation away. Well, you know, talk to alcoholics, drug addicts, you know, gambling addicts. You know, (laughs) alcohol is available. Drugs are available. Gambling is available everywhere. So limiting one particular place is not going to fix that problem. 
right. you, you have to you have to address a lot of other issues to to get to that point. So the cost of the of the property, the resort, was two point six billion dollars. Uh, they have 671 hotel rooms, 15 restaurants and lounges, and of course the casino. I don't see an exact footage on a casino or how that compares with the Foxwoods, but uh, um, 80 tables for a poker room, that's just that's a, a massive undertaking, huh? Yeah, well, listen, like I said, when I went out to California and those places, they, they got even more than that in some of those rooms out there. Yeah, I can imagine. And just, you know... Uh, at least when I was out there over 20 years ago, I don't know if they've changed them or not, but I remember looking going, oh, my goodness. This, I couldn't believe a, a, a sea of poker tables looking at them, at me. Right. And huge press coverage, obviously. You know, you're going to get that as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of excitement up there. And, uh, you know, I, I maybe we'll get someone from the room on the show and, and get their thoughts. But i got to think that... It's going to cut a huge chunk into a lot of big places. Even Philadelphia, the the big places in Philadelphia, like parks and and some of those, it's got to uh, cut into that Atlantic City maybe a no, little bit. No, no, not so much. Not up, that's too far up a ride for that, Dave. The, the, the people that are going to be affected by that are obviously Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun. Um, when parks opened up, um, and when the and Foxwoods opened, you know, when those opened up, it affected Atlantic City because you had about an equal distance <clears throat> going to Foxwoods or to Atlantic City. Right. Uh, you know, once Maryland opened up, I mean, the, the the big loser in most of these, and as we know, they've closed four or five casinos in Atlantic City over the right. last few years, is <clears throat> Atlantic City had a monopoly there in the sense that, you know, they were drawing from, you know, the New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. area with no no competition just about right and um you know they they thrived for so long you know now once foxwoods now you started new yorkers started going well should i take that ride if you live in the island you're going to prefer to go to connecticut instead of take the three-hour ride out to atlantic city and once parks and the other philadelphia casinos opened up no longer have to take the ride to ac now we know where maryland live and all the other casinos I, i can't remember their names off the top of my head you don't have to take that two or three hour ride to Atlantic exactly. City. Everybody that just said, well, it, make, just making it easier, huh? Exactly, and that's the reason their numbers are so down. Yeah, it's right up near uh, Logan Airport, for uh, those of you that know the area, uh, in Everett, which is the north side of Boston. It was actually the area I lived in was Everett uh, when I was up there in the mid-90s. So uh, I was familiar with it, and then the area was kind of a run-down, by-the-river not a great area, and it's really turned everything around. So uh, it's just minutes from all the excitement up there, and uh, you know people are very excited about that. Anyway, uh, let's get to a couple of other topics here before we run out of time here. Uh, the first 50 dinner and tournament coming up uh, on the 29th at 8 p.m. is the dinner, uh, dinner awards ceremony. They had uh, the public vote on some of the uh, categories uh, it's going to be hosted by Lon McCarron and Norman Chad. And afterwards, they'll have a VIP poker tournament uh, to celebrate. Uh, the seven categories that people voted on were the most memorable hand in SOP's history, the best overall WSOP performance in a single year, the most likely to succeed, which is a player under 35 to win the most gold bracelets from 2020 to 2070, uh, fan favorite player, 
Uh, WSOP favorite bad boy, the most impressive main event win, and the four most important players in WSOP history, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, right off the top of your head, can you come up with a Mount Rushmore Final Four for the uh, for the WSOP in the history? And you're talking about the hands? You're no, about not hands, uh, players. Players? A Mount Rushmore of uh, the top uh, players. In Doyle Brunson. Okay. <clears throat> um, I would probably put Phil Hellmuth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stu Younger. Stu Younger. Okay. That's this guy's, uh, that's three out of the four. Three out of the fourth. <clears throat> I would, and, and it's not because of who the player is, but who he is, is significantly, but moneymaker. Okay. Uh, he says Phil Ivey for his fourth, but uh, he said you can also make an argument for Johnny Chan. Yeah. Chip Reese. Well, Scotty Johnny Wynn. Chan was one of the ones that I was thinking between moneymaker, but because right. of, because of the importance and you know the explosion you know following money maker and and all of that excitement there yeah i you know that that would be mine right there and uh the other one he mentions is um the grinder having won uh the uh, poker player poker championship player twice yeah exactly so anyway that's coming up later this week uh the 29th of june and there'll be a tournament as well uh going on where you could win a seat at uh WSOP event, and uh, several other things. Obviously, they'll probably have a silent auction and all that stuff. So that should be a lot of fun, and there'll be a lot of coverage about that. And the other thing I wanted to mention, obviously, was the uh, Poker Hall of Fame, which is uh, coming up. They've had the nominations, so the public had a chance to get involved in some of the nominations. And then a panel of 30 Hall of Fame members and 21 poker industry media members will vote on who is to be inducted. And uh, they need to get their balance in by July 8th. And during the final no, final table on July the 15th will be part of the broadcast to uh, induct the new members. Uh, John, John Wor- Wor- Johnny World, John Hennigan, was uh, inducted last year along with Maury Escondani. And uh, so that eliminates two of those. We only have one new uh, nominee, though, from this group for the top ten. And we'll let you know a little about them. Chris Bjorn, who is a good mixed game player from Sweden, now lives in London, uh, 71 years old now, and he's won two FWSOP gold bracelets. David Chu, who is uh, 58 years old, he's from he's won five. Uh, bracelets including Limit Hold'em, Seven Card Stud, and Omaha Eight or Better. Uh, Ellie Elezra, uh, also 58, who is originally from Israel, lives in Las Vegas now, and won a bracelet this se- this year. Uh, Chris Ferguson, who uh, you, you would think would maybe be left off this list for, for perpetuity, but uh, he is on the list as well. Ted Forrest, Mike Matiso. Uh, Mattiso, 51 years old, more than nine and a half million in career earnings. He was one thing I didn't know is he was a poker dealer before he became a player. Uh, Chris Moneymaker is up again, of course, the 2003 champion that changed the game forever. Uh, David Oppenheim, who's mainly a cash game pro, he's 46 years old. Uh, and Huck Seed is the the ninth of that group. Huck Seed. Uh, <coughs> 
from California. He's 50 years old now, and uh, he is uh, won the NBC Heads Up Championship in the past and a couple of final tables at the WF the 50K Poker Players Championship. So uh, those are the nine. The one new one is Antonio Esfandiari, the magician. Well, let Up me tell you, he, he might be he might be one of those getting elected. Uh, he's done it just about yeah, all. I would say. You know. Although he hasn't done much this year. I don't know how much he's playing out there, but I uh, haven't really seen his name in a lot of the tournaments. Not that that would make any difference, but <laughs> But those that's all coming up. Uh, the voting will take place over the next couple of weeks, and then will be announced on July the 15th. Um, I mentioned You mentioned Sean Deeb. I didn't really give any details on that, but Adam Friedman was head-to-head with Sean Deeb in the uh, dealer's choice. $10,000 Dealer's Choice Tournament. And uh, that was the controversy. I, I think, did we did we talk about the controversy? I know I talked about it last week with Michael. They were down to seven players, and when the seventh player got knocked out, they had uh, the announcement from the floor, you know, going into the day of play, was that they would play down to six and then come back and finish the next day. Right. So th- when the seventh player got knocked out, uh, there was uh, uh, Nick Schulman had, was very short stacked, and he asked him if they could keep playing for a few more hands to see if he was going to make any ground or get knocked out. He got knocked out like one hand later. Okay. So now they're down to five. They had a break coming, so they went out on the break, and Deeb and uh, one of the other players wanted to keep on playing. And Friedman and one of the other players were absolutely against continuing to play. Okay. And it's not that late at night, maybe seven thirty, eight o'clock, but they were down to what they said they were going to break. And they said, we think you should stay with what you told us. And meanwhile, Deeb said, you know, hey, if I would have known that we had to come back another day, I would have got into a couple other tournaments. I would have played an online event and... And there was a big argument, so Jeff, Jack Effel finally made the decision that they were going to come back the next day. Well, that's what do what you think about that? That's what they was. That, that's what was scheduled, right? Right. I don't see him being able to do anything else. I mean, listen, unless everybody agrees to it, that wasn't part of the agreement when you signed up to play in this right. tournament. It was Deeb and Matt Glantz was also at that final table. He wanted it doesn't to keep, matter. He four, wanted to keep even playing. Even if four of them did, if one of them didn't want to continue to play. Okay, that's what that, you would have decided? That's what, exactly what I would have still decided because, first of all, we scheduled this for a break and to come back the next day once we got to X amount of players. Right. And now we're at, you know, at, at that number. Actually, the number was probably six. Correct, and then they played a few more hands for Nick yeah, Shulman. Yeah, they made the the exception. Of course, Shulman has some broadcasting stuff he has to do as well. Right, but, so but he had very what, few chips. And if they, no one complained at six, but they complained at five, yeah. then, you know, again, at six, the big problem there was, are we playing just till he gets eliminated, or are we playing till we get to a winner? Yeah. You understand? And if now, if that was the case... Then you're going to continue to play. Right. You go on whatever, take a 15, 20-minute break or whatever, a dinner break, and come back. But you guys agreed amongst yourselves that we were just going to wait for him to finish, and now we get to five. And, you know, the thought process was we were going to break on this. 
you know, I don't care if four wanted to continue and one didn't. If all five don't agree, it's like a, it's like a deal. It's like a chop. Right. Don't matter that four out of five want to do the chop. If if all five don't agree, we don't have a chop. Exactly. Well, the argument by Deeb was that uh, he had saved for the final table one of the games. There's 20 different games. And he had saved a game that he was particularly good at that a lot of people don't know. And I don't remember whether it was Badesi or, or one of those. But he said that the guys who wanted to stop until the next day didn't really know how to play that game and wanted to go home and study up on it overnight. Oh, well, listen. That, Have you ever you heard know, of that? That Yeah, well, we've had guys that get into the tournament. Remember, we had one guy who won a bracelet once, and he entered the tournament thinking it was something else oh, and right, kind of yeah. learned on the yeah. fly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this, this could happen. Um, but, um, you know... <laughs> These are such, you know, petty stuff to me yeah. from the players, to be honest with Chronic you. Chronic complaining. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, again, it, it's funny, but if I'm in Jack's thing, um, you know, um, I would have made uh, the same the same exact um, decision. decision to come back. Right. Well, you know, I think that's only right as well. I, I got to agree with that. Um, one other thing I didn't mention was the Super Seniors, which was concluded last week. Uh, you have to be 65 to play in that one. Michael Blake was the winner. But the interesting thing is who he went up head-to-head with, it was Barry Shulman. Wow. Who finished second. Uh, also, uh, Shulman's wife, Alan Jaffrey Shulman, uh, she uh, she went very late in the tournament as well. Was still alive uh, till about the final thirty, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, anyway, twenty six hundred and fifty entries for the super seniors. I have to be sixty years old, not sixty five, but you have to be at least sixty. And uh, the winner of that one was Michael Blake for his uh, first first tournament victory. Wow, that's uh, I, we haven't heard his name in a long time. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know. So anyway, G. Young Kim was the uh, ladies' champ, uh, Michael Blake, the super seniors, and Howard Mash, the seniors' champ. We'll hear from Howard next week uh, on the show. Did a pretty extensive interview, and I think I'm going to try to get Tony Burns, too, with the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open coming around to start on August the 1st. So that uh, looking forward to that in the month of August and the big turnout down here. Get a couple of weeks off from the uh, World Series, and then you travel to Florida and play in uh, one of the big tournaments of the year. That's it. Remember, we always use, and you were always lucky enough to get some of the nine uh, main event people um, uh, interviewed when they were playing here at the Hard Rock and everything else. Yeah. So, um, so looking forward to that. We'll uh, watch some of the uh, coverage on Poker Go. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, it's uh, pretty interesting, and uh, obviously you get to see all the whole cards and. And uh, there's been some good tournament action. So I would suggest uh, getting ready for the main event by maybe picking up a couple of tournaments uh, as well. Well, listen, I've been going crazy since you mentioned in Boston, 80 tables. And I said, you know, the, I saw it much higher. Thank, th- thanks thanks to our Gio great Gio. Gio looked it up. Over 200 tables at the Commerce. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And I know Hollywood had to be about the same when I was Hollywood going Park. there. Hollywood Park back then. I don't know if it's, it's closed now. It's closed now. Yeah. Uh, they told me to bike. All those places over there. I'm, I'm telling you, it was a sea of tables. The only other place where I saw, well, actually, it wasn't more. It just, I just saw more people sitting down. 
Uh, you... I looked it up on Bravo while we were talking here. Okay. They've got fifty. <clears throat> excuse me. They got fifty-three tables running right now. Who does? Uh, uh, the Commerce. Boston. Oh, no, Commerce, Commerce okay. in, in in California. We're talking Can about you look up uh, Encore Boston Harbor on there? Let me. Uh, that's actually a good thing if they're on the Bravo system. It's I only their second day. I will definitely take a look at that. The Encore. Yeah, Encore Boston Harbor. Um, how about uh, square footage geo of uh, the Foxwoods? Casino. Did you get that? That that is that, like I said. <laughs> I've known. That you think to that's be, the biggest casino around? Well, I I believe bigger I than would, anything in Vegas. Um. Yeah, the MGM is the biggest in Vegas, or it was. I don't know if it's changed since then, but you know the 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 MGM was at one time the biggest casino in the world, and then when Foxwoods opened up, they took over that title in the United States yeah. now, or or in the world, so to speak. But uh, you know. Things have changed, so I'm not seeing anything for... Uh, they must not be on there yet. If if they're using them, but I would imagine they are. Okay, Foxwoods is now the second largest, but it was the largest casino prior. Now the Windstar World Casino and Resort Oklahoma. in Oklahoma is the largest. There okay. you go. Okay. The Foxwoods has over 9 million square feet. Wow. Unbelievable. So how big is that in Oklahoma? What's Windstar? Oh, my God. Hey, slow down, man. 20 million? (laughs) (laughs) Not that it matters. I mean, you only get so many machines in there, and it lowers your uh, amount per machine. But uh, uh, Oklahoma, I guess, uh, what would be nearby? Choctaw, I guess, would be the closest to Windstar. So uh, I think uh, Windstar's in the Tulsa area, if I'm not mistaken. Got something? Anything on Boston Harbor? No, no? I can't no, no. find any. I see it. This is giving me all the way up to Atlantic City. And uh, how, how many tables are going at Miami Highline? At Miami Highline right <laughs> now. When I left, we had three. That was it. You know, uh, we have got now yeah, it's five. Kill, it's killing. Five. It's killing everybody. I know. So yeah, the WS not yeah, so bad. That, I guess. that actually, that was the comment I wanted to make that I don't think I had made. I have to readjust my yeah, my thinking from a comment a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, right, so okay, well that's going to do it for us. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we will be looking at the main event next week, and also we're going to hear from Howard Mash uh, as we get. Uh, tournament uh, running down toward the main event uh want to get tony burns an interview with him on the show in the next week or two and look forward to talking with tony as well hopefully i can give them that suggestion about putting on see if maybe they put a tournament with all of their uh, properties yeah absolutely we'll talk about that as well uh thanks for being with you tonight uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the show geo thank you for all your help tonight as always and uh, joe <laughs> thank you as well we'll be back next week with another edition of poker action line The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.